Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. If this is your first time, if you're not a Christian, um, if you've been here for three years when we started, if you are young or if you're old or if you're old and you'd like to be considered young, I want to say all of you are welcome here in this place. And today I want to talk to us about what it is to be a family together. Our vision as a church is to see the glory of God known across London and the nations. That is our beating passion the very thing that drives us that lifts us that energizes us is the very glory the splendor the beauty the strength of God himself as revealed to us in Jesus Christ so he is the prime being in all things for us and this this vision to see the glory of God and it is God's passion as well just for the overflow of himself to be known in our life Jesus says that my joy might be in your heart and so that your joy might be full this is the vision of Jesus himself as well but this is not like an ethereal thing as Charles pointed out last week this actually has legs if you will you can actually see this. this is a relational touchable smellable hearable reality that the glory of God is known through us, his people. As Charles said in Ephesians 3.10, that through the church, God's manifold wisdom is known. That is through a company of people like us. Just take a moment to look around, like very ordinary people, unless you, you know, we're all ordinary, I think we'll all admit that. Ordinary people, God chooses to make his manifold wisdom known. And so this series, we're looking at all the various ways in which he does this and he uses all these metaphors to speak about us, his church. And so today we're looking at this whole reality of what it is for us to be Jesus's family and for us to walk as family, a very diverse family, a family with all of the idiosyncrasies and oddities and annoyances and not getting things right, etc., etc. Hands up, anybody. A normal family, but gathered around not just biology, but gathered around Jesus. And so, I want to just lay out some of the theology and vision of what it is for us. And I just want to talk about some of the characteristics of what it might be for us as church to walk into this reality as family. For all of us, we have, I think, a, a grounding principle in our life or something that we say at the very bottom of everything, this is, this is the kind of, this is the very, the very bottom. Every worldview, every religion, whether you would consider yourself religious or not, there is something at the very bottom. For some people, it's just me. If you're a humanist, you can say, I'm the bottom reality. Everything rests on me. I'm accountable. I have to make things happen. Other people, it's like the physical world. It's, it's us. It's the, 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 the earth as we have it. Some, it's, a, it's a religious structure. It's a religious system. For some, it's like success. This is the very foundation of everything that I'm about. Everyone has some being or something that is the very... And for Christians, when you get to the very bottom, it is actually just simply God himself. But not simply God as Lord or God as Almighty. He is, he is those things. He is creator. He is the sustainer of all things. But he is revealed to us in the Bible primarily as God the Father and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He has revealed himself to us in family language, in very intimate, close family language. So that at the very heart of the universe for Christians, 
is Father, Son and Holy Spirit and this overflow that comes into creation so that everything is seen through this lens of being gathered into this family. But the problem is that we have walked away from God, that you and I, whether we've known it or not, whether from we were taught about God or not, we have chosen to walk away from the purposes of God, walk away from the household of God, and we find ourselves right now walking when we're outside of the household of God, walking as it were in the spiritual cold, in a harsh environment, insecure as spiritual orphans struggling to find a way back, oftentimes thinking, if I do well, then maybe God the Lord will accept me back into his presence, yet all the while struggling with our emotional and spiritual insecurities, essentially as, as orphans in this world. And the gospel, the Christian message is this, is that God the Father and God the Son didn't just leave us to walk in this emotional and spiritual insecurity forever. That Jesus himself leaves his father's household, steps down from the throne of glory and steps into our harsh world and comes to us where we are so that he might make a way back for us orphans into the household of God. And Jesus chases us down. Shido's in the house today. Come on, someone join Shido. <laughs> Bring in some of the Togo spirit today. This is the gospel. Jesus comes after us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit don't just kind of look at us while we're struggling, trying to find a way to improve our behavior so that we might one day get back in God's good. No, Jesus chases us down so that he might pave a way back for us into the household of God. And we're told that Jesus is crucified on the outside of the city gates. He is pushed out of all of society treated as an outsider and crucified on the cross. And Jesus, who would always talk to God as his father, he taught his disciples, pray to God as your father. He always referred to him, even, even more strange, Abba, like Dada, father. When he was taken to the cross, when he died for our sin, our rebellion, all that we did when we walked away from God, we're told in that one moment, the only moment where he referred to God his father as simply my God, my God, pushed away from the household of God, taking on our punishment, our rebellion, our sin, so that he might pave a way back and he dies crying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the Father in this moment, seeing Jesus taking our punishment for our rebellion, we're told he rips the curtain on the inside of the house of God in the temple in Jerusalem. And he rips the curtain from top to bottom, in a sense, smashing open the door again so that anyone who would receive the invitation and say yes to Jesus could walk straight back into the household of God as you are, with all of your sin and your shame and your dirty garments and everything that you feel bogs you down in your spiritual life. The curtain is ripped in two. And the Father says, I welcome you on the basis of my son's sacrifice. Come just as you are. He said, I can't come into a holy place. Father says, you come. Orphans, come home. Sons, come home. Daughters, come home as you are. And we're told in the prodigal son in Luke 15 that the, the son who threw everything away, who was living with the pigs in the pigsty, he runs home. And the father doesn't say, like, stand there. 
I'll send a slave out and like, you'll clean you up. Once you cleaned up, no. He runs to him and throws his arms around him and welcomes him home. This is the invitation of Christianity to come literally. I don't know how you feel you've come to church today. You might feel grubby in your heart and the father says the curtain has been torn already. Would you honor me by coming back home to my presence? And we are welcomed back and we are adopted as sons and daughters, which is what Li Ying read for us in Romans 8. We read this, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons. That's a theological thing for those in those days. Sons would receive the father's inheritance. And for all of us now, sons and daughters, we come into the sonship of Jesus and we receive the inheritance of God himself, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is almost unique to Christianity that we would come to God and say, Abba, Father. You could be a Muslim and there are 99 attributes that you would declare about God. You might be a secularist and say, no, I believe in a higher being, but I doubt that you would refer to that higher being as Abba. I did a little like crowdsourcing this week, just checking from different nationalities. Like, what do you know, when you're tiny children in your mother tongue, what do you call? And normally it's like Dada, or Papa, or Papa, or Abba, they're all very similar, There's, it's the same, it's, it's this intimate sense where you come to God with all of your childlike nature, all of your insecurities, say, Dada, Abba, Father. That the Creator God becomes someone who wants to sit and talk and listen to you with everything you want to say. I love the moments where Kiki, just, you know, sit in the car, just sitting, and she just chats and talks about stuff, the most random stuff. Marvel, she's into Marvel at the moment. So she's like, she's a bit too young, we're a bit sad that the princess stage is gone already, but it's Marvel. But I love hearing her talk about a new character that she's learned. And just, and that's the father's heart towards you. You chat, oh, I don't know, it's like just silly stuff about work. No, he loves to hear your heart and we get welcomed in. And this is the amazing thing. We get welcomed into the fold of God the Father and God the Son. We look up and we see God the Father, and we also find that we have Jesus as our older brother. There is this moment in Mark chapter 12 where Jesus' mum, and I love this, because you get all these little insights into the fact that Jesus' mum was actually like quite annoyed with him sometimes. On a number of occasions, you're like, she's actually a little bit frustrated with Jesus because he's not like, he can't. So there is this very normal mother-son relationship going on. And so we find this moment that while Jesus was in this packed crowd, was speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. I mean, this is my picture in my mind. I could be wrong. Mary, I'm sorry when I get there. If I got this wrong, but I imagine that outside, like slightly kind of ticked off, like Jesus, like, I don't know, there's something going on. You should be with us. Why are you here? Could you go and send for Jesus to come and talk to me? I'm his mom. Like he needs to come now. And this is what happens. But he replied to the man who told him, he said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here is my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister. So when we come and become Christians, we find that Jesus is to our left as our older brother. We get adopted into this family and we find we have a sibling, a wonderful sibling who makes everything possible for us. And this isn't just like, preaching hyperbole. 
Like, I'm actually adopted. And I have a brother. I always wanted a brother growing up. I always imagined because I'm the oldest with two younger sisters. So I had to be like very gentle and calm. And I, I always fancied that of having an older brother who I could like actually fight. Like I really like fancied the idea of like, I just want to get into some fisticuffs. You know, like just, I like the idea. Like I might have anger issues. You can talk to me later. But, and it dawned on me when I became a Christian, a few years into becoming a Christian, I actually, Literally, in a proper, proper, not millennial, literal sense, I literally have an older brother, flesh and blood, that I'm adopted into. You might have someone who's adopted into a family and they have siblings. I'm adopted. I've got a, an older brother. And his name's Jesus. And he makes all of this possible. And we are now part of his family, which means that you cannot come to Jesus and discard the church. And I know it's tempting today because you think, well, we've done COVID and I did online church and there are some really smart churches putting some super nice services on with really nice lighting and the audio is great and the preacher's good and everything like this. And you're like, I can sit in bed and watch and do church from, and you think, maybe I don't, I think clock through some of our minds, could I be a Christian and really not have to like deal with the whole church and people thing? Because people are like, I don't know, a little bit annoying sometimes. And Jesus is good, but the church, you've all probably all had those thoughts sometimes. Don't laugh too hard in Pume. And we can't. It's like if you get married, you can't marry your then spouse and say, yeah, but your family, no, I don't want anything to do with your family. Like, like you actually do marry into the whole family. I remember this being, you know, hearing it on my wedding day, like with you know, these families joining together and I thought, well, that's nice. They're kind of being nice to each other. And then you get like two, three, four months, a year, 10 years in your eyes. Oh no, we are actually joining families together. You, we come as a package. And when Jesus, he adopts us, he adopts us into his family where brothers and sisters are. So when you look to your left and your right, and if that person is a Christian, and the brother of Jesus, they are your brother or your sister. Shido's actually doing it. Well done, Shido. <laughs> you might think, well, they don't look like me. Uh, they don't sound like me, all right? I wish they weren't in my family. I mean, you might have thought that about siblings. I don't know. But this is the family that God has given to us. More than friendship. It's brotherhood. It's sisterhood. It's something deeper. And the legal reality of being adopted is, is in this world is, is just a, a hint of the depth of the power of the adoption that we have received into the family of God. It's far stronger, far bigger, far deeper, far more long-lasting long than an earthly adoption that might happen today. And so we find ourselves in this picture of a family and we're told that in Isaiah 53, 43, that God is actually gathering many others more. So God says, fear not, for I am with you and I will bring offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up. And I will say to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And so we're told in Ephesians 2, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is our identity as family.
Which means, let me just say two things that we're not. We're not simply just like a business organization. Because it can be kind of tempting sometimes to think, well, okay, there's like a church, so surely it's structured like a business. So you've got like senior leadership team or like directors or partners or something like that. And then, you know, you've got like middle management, like deacons maybe, and then you've got interns and all that. Like, so you can think of it like you just map business onto church. We're nothing like a business. Sure, we have to be organized. And we're getting to the point now where we have to be slightly more organized with our life as a church because, you know, you get to that point where like, so we're too big for everyone's notes. We've got to be more systematized. And all. But at the very heart, we are family, which means we don't have like a senior leadership team or we don't have, we have fathers. We have mothers, we have brothers, and we have sisters, sometimes younger siblings, sometimes older siblings. But that's how we relate. And the second thing is this, is that we are not a spiritual service provider. So we're not just like a center. Hey, so we're going to hire this place, we're going to put it on, and we're going to get the band together, get the AV, get a sermon together, and we're going to provide you your Sunday spiritual service. You know, so you can choose. I mean, London, there's a whole bunch of places you can go choose, and if this is a place you want to choose and get your spiritual fix, then here you go, we'll put something on for you, we'll download something hopefully good into your life, and then you can disappear. Like, I get my Starbucks, my coffee from Starbucks, or maybe Black Sheep, if you like it really strong. Okay, I like my lunch at Nando's and I like my church at Trinity Church. No, no, that's not. We're not here just to provide something for us. When we gather on a Sunday, we are gathering as brothers and sisters around our older brother, Jesus. Does that make sense? So you're not coming to get your own fix. So like, okay, I wonder what's going to happen. If you're a guest today, please listen in. Like, you're super welcome. I'm talking to Trinitarians today. So this guy's really hard on like, just come to like, I don't even know. <laughs> we gather as family, which is why things like the intro course we feel is important because it's not just like, hey, I like the vibe at this place. It feels good to me. It kind of fits my personality. No, no, no. There's like a family that we're inviting you to be a part of. It's relational. And so what I want to do is I've got nine things, but I'm going to be fast. Charles looked through this at the end of the week and said, it looks like it could be tad long. So I'm trying to like squeeze it down. And, um, but what I want to do is just walk through some of the things that would mark us out as a church family. What are the, some of the characteristics? And I'm only walking in Paul's shoes here because when he wrote to Timothy and to the church in Ephesus, he, he told them, this is how you ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. This is here are some of the markers of what it might mean for us to be family and not simply like a, a spiritual service provider that happens to meet at the Coin Street Centre in Waterloo. Okay, so this is some of, the, some of the things. The first thing is this, that we all increasingly look like our older brother, Jesus. Like, we're, we're, the, long, the, the longer I go on in life, which isn't that long, really, to be fair, but I realise I've got these weird things in my life, insecurities and all sorts of things, and I'm not sure whether I'll ever, like, just be done with them forever. Like, I, th I think I might just live with these things. There are some things I'm good at. There are some things I'm not very good at. Some things I do instinctively, some things I just really struggle at. You are probably the same, maybe. And we all come together, but we are all a work in progress, becoming increasingly like Jesus. When we gather around Jesus, we become like him. Romans 8 says this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. 
So as we gaze on the glory of Christ, all of us increasingly become like him. That doesn't shut down our diversity, that actually I think when we do it truly and properly enhances and glorifies the diversity that we all bring to the family, but we become in character like Jesus Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faith, all the fruits of the Spirit. Secondly is this, younger men, younger men and women look to older women, men and women as fathers and mothers. There's this interesting thing in, in 1 Timothy where Paul writes to Timothy, who was a young pastor, to a fairly sizable church at the time in Ephesus. And there were issues that he was dealing with, as with any church. There's just things, lifestyles, etc. need to be dealt with. And this is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father and younger men as brothers, and older women as mothers, young women as sisters in all purity. So he doesn't say to Timothy, look, Timothy, what does that badge say on your like lapel? You're the pastor. So you tell them, you're the boss. This is how it goes down. This is what needs to happen. Sort this out. He doesn't. He says, no, Timothy, you might be the, the pastor. You might lead the church. But when you talk to an older man, you come to him respectfully and gently and you talk to him like you would your father. And similarly as a mother, you might speak to a four-year-old or you would speak to a four-year-old. I speak differently to Kiki, obviously, very differently to someone who is 30. Because when you're young, you need like very black and white. Like it needs to be super simple. Don't touch the electrics, you'll die. No. <laughs> okay. Maybe if they're 30, 40, 50, say, have you done a course on electrics, not good. I don't know, you just talk, you go gently, you talk respectfully. If you've ever tried to parent your parent, you know how well does that go down? Not very well. Jackie likes to joke that sometimes, I don't know if I always am, you haven't told me that I'm under heavy manners sometimes, which is a Jamaican thing about like, you need to be, you need to do what you're told basically. And you know, like, I literally have no issue with that. Zero issue, because if you're older than me, I respect you as a father or a, or a mother, and I heed your wisdom in a way that I don't heed those who are like 11, or Micah, who regularly tells me what I should or shouldn't do. <laughs> so we don't come like thinking, well, who's the boss around here, and where's the hierarchical chart, and who relates to who? No, we come respectfully hearing from mothers and fathers and and I think for us, if we are younger, notice I say us, me, if we're younger, we're tempted to think like, actually, I can go solo. I like, old people don't get me. Like, they don't understand. Like, I don't, they don't understand fashion. They don't understand how things work. Like, I've got things to do. I've got passion, you know, and young people, I think it's just our propensity. And we could think, no, I don't need that. I think a spiritual church would say it'd be filled with young people in their 20s and 30s who would say, no, I, I desperately need a father and a mother in my life. I, I just want a, someone to be interested and help me and guide me and just serve me in this way. And YouTube and podcasts will not do it. You say, well, I listen to X pastor and I've got podcasts and I, I watch YouTube, so I'm getting mentored by X, Y, and Z. That's not having a spiritual mother or a spiritual father. You might get some okay advice, but that's not the same as having someone who will sit down with you or have the, you in their home and walk with you and pray for you and be there for you and accept, you hear what I'm saying? We need something that is real, physical, relational, 
five a month. So that's the first thing. This, this, well, and the next thing is this, and on this one I'm walking on thinner ice. I talk to those who are older. You are a mother and a father. Don't take your mask off, John. You're intimidating me. <laughs> He's like, pulled it down. Like, yeah, what are you going to say? <laughs> I'll, I'll count myself as young. I'm 39, so I'm just on the press. Like, we need your interest and your care and your questions into our life. We need you. I think the propensity, if you're slightly older, if I can say this, is to, 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 to look at younger people and think, I don't think they want me or need me in their life. Because I think young people don't tend to give off the vibe that they want or need help from older people in the church. But deep down, we really do. And one of the most powerful things I think you can do is just simply pay attention and stop and ask questions and be interested and follow up and pray. You might not have anything you feel like you can give, but simply to invite round, to go for coffee or just to ask or text or how's that thing going or can I pray for you in any way is an unbelievable strength to someone who is walking and trying to navigate life as a 20-year-old. So I want to say to you and honour you as mothers and fathers that we, we need your interest and care in our life. Even when it might feel like they never really reciprocate. Um, young people like heed, honour mothers and fathers. Amen? All right. Got a bit serious. Okay. <laughs> we're, also a, we're also a place where those who don't have their own children become mothers and fathers. Because it's interesting, the, the storyline of the Bible, it doesn't portray the biological family unit as the end goal. And often in the West, we, it can be portrayed like that. You know, the adverts, you get the car, you got the house. You know, it's always like two parents, two kids, a dog and a surfboard on the top of the car, an amazing cliff or whatever. And it's like, that's kind of portrayed as, it's the, the feeling is that's the goal. Like get to that place and you're, but actually in the, the, the biblical narrative, that isn't the goal. The, 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 the final goal is not just a biological family unit, but the family of God in Revelation, where all of God's people are gathered together as one. And so there is something bigger and grander than just a biological family unit, which is important. And actually the, we get overwhelmed by this larger family where whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you have children, whether you don't have children, you all come and we all gather around Jesus. And we're told in the feet of Psalm 113, he says this, this is promise, it comes again and again in Psalms. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. And I don't think the indication here is that every woman is going to have their own biological child. But when you are gathered into the family of God, you have the opportunity to become the mother to many around you. That through the gospel of Jesus, you become a spiritual mother or a spiritual father to those by simply caring because you are bound together through the Holy Spirit. So that we all have the opportunity to come into a whole family. So you feel like your family life was broken. You can come into the family of God. Sure, we're broken still, but one day it will be made whole. You might say, I'm single, I'm desperate for my own family. You can be gathered into the family of God where you can find yourself with brothers and sisters and become a spiritual mother or a spiritual father, all of which will one day be finally revealed in Revelation at the end of the history. 
The next is this, we open up our homes to each other. And this is important. I just want to to throw out some things for us. Because gathering like here is great. Gathering in coffee shops, gathering in restaurants, that's great. But we meet colleagues in restaurants after work or at the pub. I would suggest we meet family and we meet friends in our homes. And so it's a passion of mine that one of the things will happen across Trinity, and it's difficult because we're in different parts of London, but that our homes would be open to each other. I don't know if you're living in a room or a flat or a share, whatever it might be, it's tricky, but to somehow make the time and the effort to be in each other's homes, because something, something changes, doesn't it? When you enter someone's home, you're like, you look around the home like, oh, this is what you're like. And it's normally like a nice surprise. I always love going around people's homes because it's like be nosy and you're like, I get, you, get, you get a much more rounded picture of who the person is, don't you? And, and we want to make that just part and parcel of our life, just op- opening our homes to one another. We greet one another as well as family. How we greet each other, I think, is, is a massive thing. Those first few moments when we just say hello. And I know it's tricky, it's COVID time, so it's, we're all on a different page with how we do this and we're... But Paul tells us to greet one another with a holy kiss, okay? So from this point on, you have to greet one another with a holy kiss. No, I'm joking. No, what, but what, what was Paul meaning when he said greet one another? What are you saying? In that day, and for some of you Latinos, you're like, well, of course you do that. It's, like, it's normal. But in that day, families would gather and they would greet one another with a kiss. And there are all cultures today, obviously, that do, like two kisses, three kisses, if we're British, we just wish you would tell us like what you're doing first and which way you tell us what you're going to do, how many kisses, what I need to do, and then I'll be fine. Like, oh, this is so awkward. I don't know what to do. Um, but the whole idea is that when we gather together, we make the effort to greet each other like you would your family. And so it mean, what it means is we don't come like okay there's the church service going to happen i'm coming for my fix let me find my chair where's my chair okay i'll sit down in my chair all right oh, hi nice to meet you hi nice to meet you okay but yeah, i'm really here for this thing i need to get i need to pray i need to connect with god again i need to feel good about myself and my spiritual life and then okay guy friendly hello friendly hello i gotta go no that's that's not what we're about when we gather we make the choice to greet each other like we would family and so that might be handshakes for some of us, if we're white and British. It might be that like slappy handy, huggy thing that we do when you're guys, you like affirm our manlyhood or whatever it is. <laughs> hugs, side hugs, high fives, two, three kisses, whatever, like whatever it is. But we make the choice to greet each other properly. Does that make sense? Because it sets the tone for everything else. Does that make sense? You come, here's my brother, here's my sister. And if you're coming to meet a Brazilian, just tell them, what are you going to do? And then we'll do it. That's fine. Like, uh, we'll just write it down. We'll send an email out. It's just like, your favorite way to be greeted. More complicated with all the COVID caveats. And we'll just work it out. But we want to make sure that everyone comes and is greeted as family. We also consider ourselves when we gather together as hosts and not guests. And I'm speaking to you particularly if you're a Trinitarian, if you're part of the church. When you gather on a Sunday, you're not coming to be hosted by anybody. You are the host. 
you are part of the family so you're not saying okay i hope someone talks to me i've been here a few months now no if you're saying this is my spiritual home if this is where i belong if this is where you serve if this is where you give then your role now is as a host to those who will be gathering amongst us so you don't come and sit down and think i wonder if anyone talks to me but as you come and you look around and say who might need to be received into the family who might be uncertain who's by themselves who might not be a christian just need to figure out what on earth are these crazy people doing you have that responsibility now as part of the family amen so can i invite you if you've been here like two or three weeks and you're thinking okay this might be my home could you begin to turn your thoughts and your attitudes to think, okay, I'm not being hosted anymore, I am now the host. And who could I welcome and invite, etc., etc. Another one is this, that we stick in and forgive each other. Paul says this, he says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Because we are going to upset each other. Anyone, you know, you've been in family long enough for two minutes. You know, it just happens. And if we're going to stick in with each other and not just consider this like a spiritual service providing place, if we're actually going to walk in the reality, what God says we are, a family is going to require you sometimes to stick in and forgive someone. It may require having a conversation with someone. I would suggest not a harsh email like you might to your boss or your line manager or something if things but actually saying could we get together and talk like a brother and a sister because actually i feel i feel hurt by something that happened i think when we can get to that place and just acknowledge that it is going to happen and just share those things we actually choose to walk in the reality of of family because we haven't got anywhere to go I'm not just going to go stick YouTube on for the rest of my life. There's people of God that I need to deal with. And so, so can I invite you to, to, to deal with those things with, with God? Also, I'm going to make myself vulnerable. If there are ways in which I have hurt you, then you can come and talk to me. If there's things that I haven't done that you wished I had done or things that I'd said that hurt you or whatever, like I make myself available to you to say, like, can we just talk about it? Because I, I want to be the, the starting place. Because I know that I've been forgiven. That I've done terrible things against Jesus Christ. So it would not surprise me if I've also done some wrong against some other people. And so come talk to me. We want to be a place where we walk towards each other, not where we quietly, behind the scenes, walk further away from each other. Does that make sense? So we choose to stick in and, and forgive. It's gone super quiet. I'm hoping that's not because you're working out all the things that you're going to talk to me about this week. <laughs> Neither am I just saying it theoretically. I genuinely mean it. Um, I'm hoping not 60 people come to me. Ah, oh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, was, uh, we're also a family that are here to bless the nations. Because especially in the West, there's this idea that we're kind of like the private unit, family, shut the door, this is us, this is our thing. But actually, what we're called to when we gather as a family is into a family business. That we gather around like this, I, I like to imagine it like a Sunday roast, Sunday dinner, that we're all gathered around. But we're not just here for this purpose to feel snuggly and warm about each other. 
we actually go from this place and we are about the family business, which is the blessing of the nations through word and deed because of Jesus Christ, that we actually have something to offer so that we go from this place. We walk as family, supporting one another as family, living with one another as family and praying for one another in our family business to see the glory of Christ and all that he's done for us. So it's not just inward looking, we go and we go and we go. So in just a moment, Abdullah is going to send us as family into London to be about the family business, to see the glory of Christ known. I've got this just last one here and I just added it in worship. Just everyone has a voice. Um, because when we sit around our dinner table, which is normally fairly mad and uh, we have Micah and Kiki and we have PC Micah as well and whoever might be joining us that dinner time and everyone has a voice you know we don't say to the child like no no only the senior people around this table can speak so if there are things that you feel like the Lord is impressing on your heart if there are things that you feel like the Lord is shaping us with then we want to foster an environment where everyone's voice can be heard. And I understand that's super tricky when there's like this number of people. You can't just be like all the time, everyone just. But we want to hear from the body. that The Holy Spirit has gathered us as brothers and sisters walking with an elder brother and father in heaven. So that we all have a voice in this place to shape it to be what we pray to be a welcoming and diverse place where people from all the nations can come and find family where the lonely can come and find family where the wealthy can come and find family where the poor can come and find family where those with their own biological families can come find this larger family that lives around them where those who are single can come and find a family this is the vision of trinity church london that jesus has amen